Okay, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we take your calls and we answer your questions about the things you care the most about, questions about God and the historical Jesus, questions about the Bible, questions about worldviews, world religions. We obviously talk about current events, and it's impossible to escape what's going on in this great big world. And, of course, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. Friendly producer Jim will pick up the phone. He'll ask you what your question is, and we will make every effort to get your question on the air, 303-873-1935. One of the interesting um stories that we've heard about over the weekend was the reality that Putin ordered Russian nuclear deterrent force to be on high alert. And of course, a number of different news outlets are reporting this information, and they're also asking and answering the question about escalation and de-escalation and how... um, how are things going to unfold? And of course, uh, for the last couple of weeks, we talked a whole lot about um, Russia, Ukraine, and then what became the reality of a Russian invasion of the Ukraine. But on Sunday, Russian President, President Vladimir Putin ordered Russia's nuclear deterrent forces to be on high alert after several countries launched sanctions and military efforts against Russia over its invasion. Now, again, today, it's my understanding that the ruble initially was down 20%. I I think there are reports that it's down 30%. But again, um, immediately what we ask and we answer the question is, well, what does all of that mean? And it means that the country's financial stability is cracking, and we're going to see just how much it might crack and then how this might contribute to further problems. Um, it says, uh, the Putin said, quote, senior officials of the leading NATO countries also allow aggressive statements against our country. Therefore, I order the Minister of Defense and the Chief of the General Staff of the Russian Armed Forces to transfer the deterrent forces of the Russian Army to special mode of combat duty. That's what he told Defense Minister Sergei Shwagu and and Armed Forces Chief of Staff uh, Valery Gerasimov in a um, in a televised briefing on Sunday. Now, that's an interesting name, uh, Jim. Gerasimov or Gerasimov, because it's exactly like my name, G-E-R-A-S-I, except for mine's C-I, and then you just add an M-O-V. So I'm wondering if that would be my my Russian name. It would be... Lushenko Gerasimov. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, according to the Washington Times, Putin's remarks 
were an explicit version of a recent threat he previously issued to Western countries if they attempted to intervene in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Last week, after launching the military offensive, Putin asserted that any country that tried to stop him would face consequences that they've never seen before, his words. Now, again, when he talks about any country that attempts to stop them, now, is that to be understood militarily? Does that mean with arms, with blood and soldiers? On Monday, French President Emmanuel Macron held separate phone calls with Putin and the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky in an attempt to quell the conflict between the two countries. According to NBC News, Macron spoke to Zelensky several times, had a 90-minute phone call with Putin, during which he urged the Kremlin leader to end the Russian offensive against Ukraine. Macron's office explained that the French president reaffirmed the need to implement an immediate ceasefire in his call with Putin and urged for a halt to all strikes and attacks against civilians and places of residence. In response, Putin said, confirmed his willingness to do so. At the same time, however, Ukraine said its second largest city, Kharkiv, was under attack by the Russian military today. Today, Russian and Ukrainian delegates met in Belarus. It's my understanding that that meeting is over with. And again, um, Jim, I haven't seen any credible news outlets that have, have suggested that the outcome of that meeting was a temporary peace. It seems to me, like the invasion is going on as usual. So 303-873-1935, that's the number. If you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. And of course, there's another headline at Christian Headlines, which is that Americans say inflation should be President Joe Biden's top priority, according to an NPR PBS poll. Now, again, I want you to just think about how completely out of touch that is. Now, NPR and PBS, not a conservative outlet by any stretch of the imagination, conducted a poll right before, again, tomorrow, the president is going to have the State of the Union address. Now, again, what's interesting about this poll is that there were a number of different issues as far as top priorities. Inflation was at the top of the list. Coronavirus was at 11%. Voting laws were at 11%. Foreign policy was at 10%. Now, I'm wondering if they would have said keeping us out of World War III, where does that fit on this scale? Now, again, most people would lump this in the foreign policy category. But when they were asking about the different issues... 4% were unsure what the priority should be. 3% said abortion. 
3% said the January 6th investigation. 4% said drug prices. 7% said climate change. 10% said violent crime. 10% said foreign policy. 11% voting laws. 11% coronavirus. And 38% chose inflation. So it's going to be interesting to see what, if anything, the powers that be do with this information as they ask and answer the question, what matters? What's important? And again, it's clear that they want the president to focus on the issue of inflation. Americans are concerned about their own personal finances and the overall direction of the country. But again, there's a spiritual direction that we have to take into consideration. 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Hey, if you'd like to call, it's 303 303- 873-1935 would love to take your question about God, the historical Jesus, about the Bible, about some biblical passage. If you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. And of course, um, over the weekend, all eyes have been on what's going on between Russia and the Ukraine. And so, again, when I have some further news, we'll let you know. You know, my friend Michael Woolworth was just talking about uh, Bible League and the persecuted church. One of the stories that's probably going to slip past the headlines, you're not going to hear about this on CNN. You're not going to hear about it on Fox News. You're not going to hear about it on your local news. You might hear about it. But again, at ChristianHeadlines.com, this is the headline by Milton Quintanilla. Chinese court sentences a female pastor to eight years in prison. Her crime? Preaching the gospel. A female pastor in China's Hubei province, according to Milton Quintanilla, has been sentenced to eight years in prison on charges of, quote, fraud for preaching the gospel, unquote, after her house church refused to join the state-run church, which monitors and regulates Protestant churches. And after being in police custody for two and a half years, earlier this month, a district court in Hubei province sentenced this woman who led a church this particular woman is named Hao Zhui, 51 years old. She was arrested in 2019 because she refused to join the Three Self Church. That, according to UCA News. Her lawyer, C. Wei Zhang, said that she was charged for preaching the gospel and receiving donations from church members outside the permission of the Three Self Patriotic Movement of the Protestant Church and the Christian Council. This is the Chinese government-monitored church. And according to the Christian Post, the attorney, 
her attorney, noted that while several house church pastors have been arrested for fraud, this particular woman is the first in the country to be implicated in a case that they're calling fraud. According to the watchdog group Church in Chains, House Church Building was demolished in 2019 amidst ongoing persecution, which we've talked about China being one of the major persecutors. The watchdog group also noted that in 2018, the Chinese Communist Party replaced its 2005 regulations for religious affairs with a new version in an attempt to force churches to join the state-controlled religious organizations. So in their way of thinking, you can't have church unless it's a state-controlled church. 303-873-1935. Jim, who's up? Do we have Nancy? Oh, we don't have anybody. Okay. Yeah. I. Okay. 303-873-1935. That's the number. By the way, the... Uh, the communist, the Chinese Communist Party used cross removal, the sealing and demolishing of church buildings, banning church offerings, what's called the sinization. The, the this means making it more Asian Chinese. That that's the idea of of incorporating Chinese culture. Chinese religious and political ideology into Christianity. So when we talk about, again, quote-unquote Chinese culture, religious, and political ideology, we are, of course, talking about the Chinese Communist Party. Other charges include illegal business operations, inciting subversion of state power, picking quarrels and provoking trouble, the list goes on and on. The charges are thorns on this preacher's head and God's crown for his loyal servants. So how is survived by her two sons? Her husband passed away several years ago. And according to the watchdog group International Christian Concern, Howe's youngest son, Moses, attends middle school and suffers from depression. According to the International Christian Concern, it says, quote, her husband passed away a few years ago, and her oldest son started college in 2020, so he can no longer take care of his younger brother. Moses dropped out of the semester and began uh, locking himself in his room. He refuses to interact with people, and he only has one meal a day. And it says the group noted that his health is is deteriorating, and so is that of his mother. And again, despite being imprisoned for preaching the gospel, according to this outlet, International Christian Concern, she remains strong in her faith. And that, again, that she be released without charge. And so those stories are going to continue to emerge. 
1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program, what's interesting to me also is how many celebrities, political figures, church leaders are calling for prayer for the ongoing circumstance that we find ourselves in. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. We're going to be looking at a couple of other things here in just a moment. And so again, want to invite you. It's a call-in show, so you can call in. 303-873-1935. One of the things that I want to do is get to at least a couple of Bible questions um, in the not-too-distant future. And, of course, we have some new questions posted at gotquestions.org. And, of course, (laughs) can you believe it? The count, 685,392 questions answered. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And one of the uh, interesting questions that we have is one that some of you are going to be familiar with, and that is that interesting word pharmakeia. What is that word in the Bible? It's translated in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, and in Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. But that word, in the, in the passage, it says idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. In Revelation chapter 18, Uh, verse 20, it talks about the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of a bridegroom and bride will will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, translates it sorcery. Revelation chapter 18, verse 23, translates it sorcery. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why when we come back. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I said that I would tell you a little bit about that word pharmakia. In uh, the Bible, and I quoted a couple of uh, passages of Scripture that translates that word in Galatians 5.20 and and Revelation chapter 18, verse 23. In Galatians 5.20, where it says idolatry, sorcery, that's that word pharmakia, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. It's talking about works of the flesh, Revelation 18.23 where it talks about, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more, for your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your pharmakia, translated sorcery. That word sometimes is translated witchcraft or sorcerer. 
And the Greek word pharmakia closely resembles another generic term that has made its way into the English language as a borrowed word, the word drugs. The same Greek root word produced English terms like pharmacy and pharmacist. So the modern use of the word sorcery evokes images of the supernatural power or spells or but the biblical use of pharmakia doesn't actually fit well with that idea and uh rather the term suggests various forms of well drug use and then the consequences of those drug the use of those drugs including the catastrophic consequences of using drugs, including hallucina- uh, 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 drugs that cause hallucination. So those might include drug use in pagan worship as an addiction or as a poison that was used to manipulate and control others. So there's that element. In modern English, it separates and distinguishes between medicines, chemicals, and illegal drugs or illicit drugs or or drugs that uh, obviously drugs fall into two categories, those that seem to be used appropriately and medicinally and then those that are used inappropriately. So as used in most contexts, a pharmacist and a drug dealer both distribute chemicals but what both of them do is obviously very different, and they do it for different reasons. And because English vernacular uses entirely different words, phrases like selling drugs obviously conjure up images, thoughts of illicit drugs, while taking medication or prescription drugs doesn't really imply anything wicked or nefarious. Ancient Greeks used words like pharmakia to refer to the entire spectrum, from medicines to psychoactives to poisons. So again, when we ask and we answer the question about cultural context and biblical context, both of those issues are very, very crucial when it comes to both interpreting the term pharmakia and then the context that it's being used in. So 303-873-1935, that's my number. If you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. Ancient societies were no stranger to mind-altering chemicals. And by the way, we have this posted at gotquestions.org, your questions, biblical answers, got questions, your questions, biblical answers, in about the, well, I'm going to guess one, two, three, four, um, fourth paragraph. It says, ancient societies were no stranger to mind-altering chemicals. Archaeologists note the presence of opium, hemp, and when you see the word hemp, think marijuana or that that kind of drug. 
and many other substances in biblical era cultures. These compounds were not as potent as modern options, but they were still capable of powerful effects. For example, synthetic drugs like carfentanil are a hundred thousand times as powerful as an equivalent dose of natural opium. And you've probably been hearing in the news about people dying from fentanyl overdoses. But I want you to just, again, think about this in context. Fentanyl, 100,000 times as powerful as an equivalent dose of natural opium. This is what allows a small dart to tranquilize an elephant. But opium itself is still a very strong drug. Mood-altering substances were also used in ancient religious practices. Temples, such as those in Greece, sometimes used mind-altering drugs in fortune-telling and oracles. These may have included natural vapors and deliberately concocted mixtures. When Paul wrote the book of Galatians and John recorded Revelation, these practices would have been a part of pagan idolatry. So I want you to pause and I want you to think about that. In other words, the use of a drug to alter your state of consciousness in order to see visions or to allegedly get information from spiritual or supernatural sources. Substances that alter a person's perceptions can sometimes be used as legitimate medicines. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, remember Paul says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. So for the person who blanketly condemns all medicines has to come up with an explanation of first Timothy four, four for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. But again, just like everything that is in fact created by God, can it be used in a way? I'm going to use, we can use the spectrum of inappropriate to dangerous to fatal. So drugs can be used or abused. Even worse, they can be used in a predatory manner, influencing others, taking advantage of their skewed awareness. So the biblical concept of sorcery seems to lean toward the latter end of the spectrum. A biblical sorcerer could be thought of as the equivalent of a modern drug dealer or as the type of person who slips chemicals into a woman's drink to take advantage of her. So think of, you know, a person who slips a rohibnol or some other toxic substance for the purpose of taking advantage of people. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 20 is part of Paul's list 
that contrasts the fruit of the Spirit, which, of course, is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love, singular. But it adds joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I'm going to suggest to you that when Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's not like it's a singular fruit that manifests itself in joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and in self-control. So that list isn't random and neither is the list of the works of the flesh. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. Happy to take your call. 303-873-1935. And um, again, so much going on in the news. Sometimes we um, literally take a little bit of a break and we back off and we try to think about things from a historical uh, perspective as we think about what's happened in the past and um, what continues to take place in the present and in the future. And there's a a, a, a posting at, um, oh, where is it? It's at Faithwire. Uh, my friend Greg Laurie is being asked in answering the question, is Ukraine chaos tied to biblical prophecy? And Greg talks about why he believes we're living in the last days. And he, of course, is the pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside. And um, he responded to a video of asking and answering the question, you know, what is the relationship? And Greg Laurie said he candidly believes that we're living in the last days. And he pointed uh, to the fulfillment of a biblical prophecy. And I've talked about this at length over the weeks and months. But um, one of the things that we talk about wars and we talked about rumors of wars, we talked about the pandemics. And Greg Laurie said, I believe that Jesus could come back at any moment. And he says that there are signs that we look for. And then, of course, he shared Jesus's words from Matthew chapter 24, rumors of wars, plagues, other elements. He read from the NIV. He said, Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you're not alarmed such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. 
And of course, birth pains are noted by frequency and intensity. Birth pains occur, but they always result in a birth. Of course, in that passage of Scripture in Matthew 24, it continues and says, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And um, and then it says, there will be, at, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. So pause and think about that. Persecution, death, hatred, that this sifting process will, in fact, result, and some people saying, I don't believe that there's a God, and I don't believe the Bible, and I don't believe Jesus. Jesus said, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. And in his broadcast, Greg Laurie didn't directly tie the chaos in Ukraine to those prophetic elements. He noted that there are several reasons why many people are asking a lot of different questions in these current events. One of the things that is a very interesting um, thing that I heard in one story that was posted was the growing um, appetite, if you will, of Ukrainians for Ukrainian Bibles. In other words, for many people who have ignored, neglected, or otherwise just sort of put it on the shelf, have now had a kind of renewed interest in the Bible. Ukraine, COVID-19, government overreach are just some of the issues that spark this curiosity, not only among the faithful, but a growing curiosity among people who wouldn't necessarily identify as Christian. Now, um, I have another note on version. I've talked about this, and that is if you have the Bible app version, it has an app for every, for most of the major languages. I'm looking at a, uh, um, a version app, and it asks the question, does the Bible exist in your language? Um, and right now at, at this app, version, there are 2,500 Bible versions in over 1,700 different languages. And clearly there's still thousands of languages that still need to be, to be, um, translated. But version has a, a vision for the next, if you will, 11 years. 
and they've outlined their vision. I'm going to come back to Greg Laurie here in just a minute. But their vision is that 95% of the world's population will have a full Bible. 99.9% will have at least the New Testament, and 100% will have at least a portion of Scripture. And I think that that's pretty powerful. But as for Russia's invasion, Greg Laurie said that that consternation is understandable, saying this is war on a scale we haven't seen in a long time. He spoke about Ezekiel 38's prophecies of Gog and Magog, noting that Magog is believed by many to be Russia. Greg said, when I see the aggression of Russia or Magog, if you will, it's a reminder that, that that's what we're going to see at some time. Now, he, he doesn't say that this is that time, but he points out that there is references in Ezekiel 38. Um, and by the way, Joel Rosenberg has also... Uh, posted a podcast at All Israel News on this very subject. And um, beyond that, Greg Laurie pointed to COVID-19 and then pondered the plagues that could inevitably precede the end times. Greg Laurie said, if the coronavirus isn't a plague, I don't know what is. And Greg Laurie also spoke about his belief that the Bible prophecies um, still point to a coming Antichrist figure who will rise on the international stage. Some people are wondering, will that figure reveal himself in the days or the weeks or the months to come? And of course... These are all interesting issues. Happy to talk about them. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back taking your calls, answering your questions. 303-873-1935. 